This is CliffCentral.com. So increasingly, humanity finds itself drowning in information. We are choking in a deluge of data. We are increasingly suffering from bandwidth anxiety between our Twitter feeds and Instagram feeds and Facebook feeds. Most people talk about the fact that now we live in the attention economy. Attention is the new limited resource. Attention is the new oil. If you don't have ADD today, you're not paying attention. This is the question on everybody's minds. How do we curate what we pay attention to? How do we push aside the noise and focus on what's important? Stuart Brand used to say, science is the only news. The rest is the same he says and she says that you see in the media. And so, If I were to be talking to entrepreneurs, if I was talking to heads of companies, I would tell them, pay attention to exponentials. Pay attention to disruptive technologies. Pay attention to the progress in artificial intelligence, biotechnology, nanotechnology, right? The big three, GNR, genetics, nanotechnology, and robotics. These are the forces that are upending the world. These are the new trillion dollar industries that are going to emerge out of no place. Think exponentially, pay attention to disruptive technology. Well guys, welcome back to the next session here or the next part of the series on Singularity. Guys, how are we doing? Yeah, it's good. Nice to be back on the Futurology Show. It is. Hello. Hello. Hi, Brett. Hi, Hi everybody. It's Brett Sinclair, <laughs> the squirrel rocker. Yeah. I haven't and called myself sex, that. And sexy radio voice talker. Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm just going to pull you back here because we've got a packed uh, it's show. A packed, packed it, show. it really is a packed show. Yes. So we're going to start off with Nick Hahn, who um, was in charge of the global sustainability. He yes. was your first? He was our first. And he was short, unfortunately. No, yeah. he's not that short. No, he, he, he's, he's a great man. He, in fact, he actually spent some time living in South Africa. I was quite impressed when he was on the stage. He even pronounced the word bri properly instead of barbecue. Nice. It was, it was quite cool. You know, if there's, there's one way to get to, to South Africans' hearts to say the word bri. bri. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mr. You, say bri. Bri. That's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, Coming up next. Yeah. Straight into Nick Hahn. Solving the world's biggest challenges. That's it. Hi there, and we're sitting with Nick Hahn here, uh, who's just given us a fantastic uh, presentation on solving the world's biggest challenges. Nick, do you want to just give a quick introduction to who you are at Singularity? Sure, my pleasure. I have two roles at Singularity University. One, I am our Vice President of Impact, and yes. the other role is I'm our Faculty Chair of Global Grand Challenges. Fantastic. And... Your presentation was really about the opportunity in abundance and the, and the, the positive opportunities that are there if we look at how we think about them in a very different way. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at these exponential problems and we change our exponential thinking around this and using exponential technologies to solve these global challenges, and you gave a fascinating presentation on this, do you want to just give us an, a, a top-line overview of the opportunities of being positive in solving these global challenges? Mm-hmm. Sure. So we're used as humanity to thinking in terms of scarcity. Yes. We think of scarce uh, energy resources, scarce food, scarce water, etc. When in fact, w- through the usage of exponential technology, what were scarce resources can become abundant. Yes. So energy, we see that play out with photovoltaic cells, which are following yes. an exponential downward trend in their price performance. Um, they're actually taking over coal and gas and yes. other non-renewable resources. We see that in terms of water, 
the uh, uh, energy requirements to desalinate water is decreasing exponentially, largely driven by material science and yes. the materials that are being created. New ways of extracting water from the atmosphere, new materials are being developed that can actually extract water in 20% humidity. Yep. Um, so these are examples of what are scarce resources made abundant through the uses of ex- exponential technology. Yeah, uh, th- these were absolutely amazing technologies, and some of them have only just been released. Yes. And, and um, the, the exponential curve in terms of price point creates massive opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and you made the point, we're sitting in Africa, and this really is the place to be, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely this is the place to be. Um, having lived here on the continent for 30 yes. years myself, even though I, I live in California, uh, I came here 30 years ago uh, was as a Peace Corps volunteer teaching in a remote school in Kenya, and I never yeah. left. And I, I, I never left. I've it, it gets into your blood, doesn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, never left. Uh, worked on, in, in many, many different countries. And I still uh, consider East Africa my home. I live in Kenya and Tanzania. And I've also had the pleasure to live here in South Africa as well for about a year and a half. Yes, I was quite impressed. You actually said the word bra with the correct pronunciation. <laughs> so, and your, your Swahili must be pretty good then as well. Ninangeki Swahili Vizuri. Did you understand? Mambo Jumbo. Habari Gani Asante Sana. That's about the extent of all of I've got. Then, but one of the things we've taken through the Futurology show is sometimes it takes a very dystopian look yeah. on, on the way the future is going to pan out. Um, you mentioned something about how the impact on society is something that we need to have uh, this design for inclusion involved in, mm-hmm. in, in what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you tell us more about your thought there? Absolutely. So uh, some of the very positive sides of exponential technology in terms of uh, artificial intelligence and robotics also has a downside to it as well. Um, the phrase that's oftentimes used is technological unemployment. Um, already we have uh, rate, high rates of unemployment in countries, including here in South Africa, which um, are directionally likely to increase in terms of unemployment because a artificial intelligence and robotics will increasingly be taking over human jobs. And that raises huge mm-hmm. questions for as we design technology and as we, as we design uh, human society, for it to be stable and for it to be abundant for all, we need to design for inclusion. Yes. Because technology has the effect of amplifying our differences and already um, uh, inequality, wealth inequality is very strong in many parts of the world. Exponential technology will likely amplify that difference unless we purposely design for inclusion. Um, and that poses real challenges for us. Uh, but if we're going to reach abundance, we have to do that. That's excellent. Thanks so much for your time, Nikan. It's been great being here at the Singularity University Summit in Johannesburg. And we look forward to having you again in the future, hopefully, on the show. All right. Uh, Nick was fantastic. Uh, you, you know, it was quite funny. And I mentioned this earlier on the show in one of the, the episodes. I, I used the word sustainability and he, he made us stop and he said, we're re-recording this because that's the wrong word. We need to think about these as, as global challenges. So, Mike, you're telling me you had far more time than um, four and a half minutes because you actually messed up the I, I, I screwed eight up. minutes of it. No, actually, actually <laughs> by, but by the time we got to the end, Sam was already through the door saying, come guys, I'm taking them. So, <laughs> no, so, Sam, yeah, we love Sam. you. Don't take poor them Sam, away. Yeah. That, that, that's Sam from Lime Chili, by the way. She did a phenomenal well job. Done, yeah. Yeah. Well, well done, yeah. Great job. Lime Chili and Sam. Yeah. Rock stars, right? Rock stars.
Awesome sauce. Who's next? So, uh, coming up next, we had uh, your mate from Deloitte Days. Yes. Down. Uh, we had Mr. Tiru Pile coming and talking to us about exponentialism. That's was right. not your boss. He was the big boss. He, he was the big boss. He, he's right. MD of, of, of Deloitte Consulting Africa. Okay. Um, and, and Deloitte has spent quite a bit of time in the world of singularity. Yeah. You know, he's Strategic been acro- partner. Yeah. Great. I mean, he's been across to, to, to singularity a few times. He's met Peter da- Diamantes, Diamantes a few times. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it was great to see, you know, I mean, when when I was at Deloitte, this certainly wasn't around, and yeah. they've certainly embraced this world. So yeah, and they're, they're they're global strategic partners with that's right, not just locally. That's right. Yeah. So it's really cool to see companies and big enterprises like that taking the initiative to get involved in this type of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So here's Tirupilo talking exponentialism. Hi there. In the next clip here at the Singularity University Conference, we're chatting to Tiru Pillay, who is the Managing Director of Deloitte Consulting Africa. Deloitte is one of the, the sponsors globally for Singularity for these summits that they produce. So Tiru, welcome. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you. Very good to be here. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about this so far? So I've experienced the Singularity yes. uh, event. Uh, I think this is my third time. Yes. Wow, lucky Fantastic. guy. Um, I've also had the good fortune of meeting Peter Diamandis, okay. uh, Salim Ismail, yes. uh, and other members of the faculty. Um, you know, we signed up a global partnership yeah. with, uh, with SU in 2013. That's right. Uh, these were early days in, in, the, in the foundation or the, form, the formation of SU. Yeah. The idea, so innovation is a key part of the DNA and the ethos of our business. Yes. And when you think about what organizations are seeking to do with innovation, they're trying to um, extend their, their relevance. They're yeah. trying to be more future-proof in their, yes. in their businesses. However, in order to be future-proof, you need to understand what the future is. <laughs> yes, it's a critical component. What's the future? Yeah. Yes. And uh, WTF, exactly. <laughs> there you go. And we... What we what we found when you're working with clients yeah. around future strategy is the context in which clients talked about their future needed work. Do they understand yeah. where the world would be ten years out? Yeah. And was there alignment um, in the executive team so that you could make the right kind of decisions? Yeah. And you're not talking about people in their forties and fifties who are CEOs of global Fortune 500 yeah. companies. And the way you learn is experiential. You can't read a book. No, you can't. And neither can you just uh, do the quick PowerPoint presentation. There's a level of immersion which makes a difference. Totally. So we found the faculty and the vision at SU very compelling. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's in the heart of uh, you know, Silicon Valley, um, and there's an incredible ecosystem there. Yeah. And... Uh, what we saw in the partnership was uh, a uh, the, an intellectual partner uh, in SU. Yeah. B, they were uh, they were at and beyond the fringe. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking at where long where the long term horizon of clients uh, and where the market and the world needs to be, um, you know they were there. Yeah. And but importantly, they had a formula that created an experiential environment where you could take your clients, um, public, private sector, yeah. and 
you were working with people who were also visionary about the world and they had a purpose yeah. beyond just profit. Very much so. And you know, their, their whole vision is uh, MTP's massive transformational yeah. uh, purpose and uh, Peter and his XPRIZE Foundation, uh, which we are also supporters of, uh, resonated with our own purpose, which is to make an impact that matters at a global level. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, so that's where that's how it came about. Um, we have had, we, I mean, we have a standing um, relationship in in, in Silicon Valley. Uh, we are now global partners. So, if there's a summit anywhere in the world, Deloitte is a is a global yeah. partner, as we are in South Africa. We have had uh, one major private event in South Africa before. Okay. Many of the faculty have been here. So, I mean, I think. In, in terms of the impact of the content, yeah. um, the you know it's become quite cliched now, but the the future has arrived. Yes, it has. Um, these days, the the mantra uh, in in certainly in the business world, uh, our view is that every business is a digital business. Yeah. Every organization is a digital organization. Every person is is a is a digital citizen. Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. And what does that mean? I think in the early days when people started talking about the fourth industrial revolution and started talking about digital, you, know, you had this idea, well, it's the whole world in, an, in, in some form of app. Mm. Mm. And people's biggest reality with digital was online banking. Yeah, you never walk into a branch, you can transact uh, on your iPad, on your phone, on your laptop. Um, then, of course, the whole world of e-commerce, if yeah. you, you don't have to go into a grocery store, you buy your goods online, you can buy your movie tickets online, and so on. Of course, um, Exponential and the digital world have now become synonymous. They have. And our interpretation, certainly from a Deloitte point of view, of what does digital mean to our clients is the... How do you deal with the impact of dematerialization? Yeah. Um, and how do you deal with the impact of demonetization, yes. democratization, and exponential technology on your business? Mm. Um, so these days, I mean, you've, you've now got uh, previously experimental so-called sci-fi technology that has become mainstream. Um, you would... Um, any company yeah. um, is that that is has large back office processing. So think of a typical bank, think of a telco provider, think of a, of a large utility processing high volumes of transactions. They are now actively looking at robotic process automation. Yeah. Um, companies have recognised the importance of data, and previously it was perhaps uh, insight on the past. All of them are, are now looking at the impact of data on predicting the future. Okay. Um, if you're looking at um, industry, um, the impact of IoT, the Internet of Things, to to help you with automation, and I mean that's an interesting one because in in those cases you have the convergence of exponential technologies. Um, mining companies in South Africa today use automated vehicles, autonomous vehicles. Mm. Uh, mine dump trucks are automated. Yeah. They would have a combination of uh, a level of AI. They would have uh, IoT. Uh, they are robots. Probably some version of VR if they're doing yeah. virtual reality right. driving. Yeah. So, so I think 
what you what what we are now working with clients on, for example, is you know what we call uh, digital uh, maturity assessments. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's a good good way of putting it. It is. So you know where are you? Um, what is possible? Yeah. Where would possibilities be? Because this thing is evolving, and where you're working on you know some kind of roadmap as to how do you move into a greater level of maturity. The thing is. I think you don't have much of a choice because those organizations that are more digital, they they are more competitive. Yeah. Their their service is more effective. Their their price point is lower. Um, and all of this is. Po- I, mean, I think we've always had the idea and we've always had the aspiration. Technology has now made it possible. Yeah, it's caught up yeah. with us. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that was, you know, what uh, Ray Kurzweil was referring to when he talked about, uh, you know, yeah. the, singularity the singularity is near. Yeah. Um, 13 years according to the latest. That's right. Yeah. Today. And I think, you know, you it's it's the impact of Moore's law. It's the, the, the whole opportunity, uh, capability, cost curve yeah. for, for technology. So we now have and we are improving the technology to make our aspiration possible. So, I mean, I think the benefit of having a summit like this is um, it it opens the mind of uh, the people that are here. Yeah. Uh, I think it creates a new view about uh, possibility. I think it also makes you aware of where the world is. If we in South Africa, I mean, every nation, every organization wants to be relevant and wants to be competitive. Totally. Um, what this does is it, it helps you understand, you know, where the benchmark is. It where does, the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But now, now Terry, I mean, we, we get to do this every week. We talk about AI and we talk about the VR and, and all of these exciting futurology kind of ideas. Um, you, you obviously experience it day to day in Deloitte. Your client base, how, how mature are they around the thinking? Because these are, these are great are they, are they receptive to this? Well, I think first, yeah, how, how mature is their thinking and how receptive is it from there? So I, I think these days um, the concept of innovation and the concept of digital is quite ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody talks about it. Kind of accepted. Yeah. I think the language um, of the boardrooms has shifted in some cases more than others. Mm. The speed of execution, though. Yes. Um, right. yes. It does does vary. This is like going from black to white, literally. It's a, it's a big change. It is it is a big change, and I, I think what we are seeing is, um, I mean, first of all, there are conversations about digital transformation uh, and about innovation that are taking place across all sectors and with most of our clients, including the public sector. Oh, that's good. Um, I think that. Uh, there are obviously uh, those that move faster than others. Yeah. Um, I would say that from a from a digital point of view, um, we've seen um, a lot of movement uh, in the financial services sector, um, who you know have been um, most impacted, I guess, due to digital banking, mm. the convergence of mobile and financial services. Um, the retailers, um, so anyone who would benefit from a scale digital interaction with um, um, with with their customers has been looking at developing and exploiting a digital channel. I think um, 
industry, uh, manufacturers um, these days are looking at digital supply chains. Yeah. Um, you know how to have a, a, a more real time um, understanding of your supply chain mm. so that you could fulfill your customer expectation faster, sure. better. Um, um, the mining industry in South Africa, I think, are also um, starting to pick up the pace in terms of the use of IoT and robotics. Um, so I think that it's it's the momentum is building. Fantastic. Well, that's good news. That's encouraging because we've, we've got a long way to go because the future's in Africa. Yeah, no, for sure. Indeed. Yeah. Just um, one last question probably. I know we're probably coming short on time, but... Um, uh, you're flying the Deloitte flag, and it's a really great flag, very credible in terms of a positioning around business change and consulting. Are you attracting new clients in the space because of associations with Singularity University and the likes? Are you finding new, new, bigger, faster-growing companies coming and saying, well, hey, Deloitte, we trust you. We've seen you've been trusted. How is that changing? Are you guys seeing some change in your market? Look, I think there's three dimensions of change. First, um, there's a big change on ourselves. Yeah. Um, I think in order to be, in order to help future-proof your clients, you need to have a level of future-proofing yourself. Yeah, true. Yeah, you've um, got to eat your own dog food. Exactly. Yeah. And I th- you know, one of the amazing things about a business like Deloitte is the is the is the talent uh, dynamic in our business. Yes. Our, our business has this amazing quality of attracting and renewing itself through the introduction of new talent and young people, mm. millennials, mm. into our business. And there's this. Uh, this energy that gets created and this innovation potential that gets introduced into the business when you do that. But we have put a huge amount of focus in terms of um, the language, um, our own preparation, our own training, development of products and services that are relevant to this digital future. Second, we are very mindful that we are now moving into a world where your business model is an ecosystem and where your ability to provide a solution to the client involves your part, your level of collaboration with partners, fintechs, um, digital companies, um, companies that are uh, serv- that, that are providing services in the digital world, whether it be in AI, in robotics, on blockchain, etc. Yeah, very exciting. Um, and and the, the, your ability to have the richness of value to a client is a function of how v- rich your ecosystem is. I mean, we've now got partners in Apple, Facebook, GE, Singularity University. And then I think on the client side, um, there are a number of new clients because we've got these new giants emerging. Um, And, of course, our existing clients who who want to move um, faster and be more competitive in this this world. Um, Of course, our business is very broad, you know, so it's audit tax, risk advisory, consulting, uh, financial advisory services, uh, outsourcing. Um, So there are different touch points, uh, you know, with these different companies, uh, new and existing. Fantastic. It's it's an exciting time to be alive, especially uh, in Africa. I think there's a lot happening. And we talk about future-proofing Africa, but there's also just preparation for the future as well. Things that we can do now that really make a huge difference later. So thanks for partnering and allowing these types of summits to exist yep. and to happen in, in South Africa. We've certainly enjoyed our time here, and uh, we look forward to the next time you get to join us on the Futurology Show. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm Great. usually excited about the future. I'm an optimist, Great. and I believe in abundance, so uh, nice. I look forward to being back. Exponential <laughs> up is coming. <laughs> Great. Indeed. Thank thanks you. To thanks, Terry. Okay, thanks, thanks, guys. Cheers. So I'm a big fan of exponentialism, right? Every single step you take in life, you double it. 
I always, it always rings true. And I think it was one of the Singularity University guys you spoke about taking 30 steps. And if you're taking 30 yeah. exponential steps, you reach uh, 1 billion 400 and something. Some ridiculous amount. Instead yeah. of 30, which is what we're doing in SA at the moment. Yeah. We take 30 steps and we get 30 steps ahead instead of oh, 1 billion was, 400. I, 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 I thought something. it was 60 steps back yeah. at this rate. But after yeah. tax, you owe money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How does exponential tax You're back at the beginning this? and you didn't <laughs> pass go and you don't get 200. Absolutely. So. But but I'm, I'm really interested in the, in, in the next uh, session because I unfortunately wasn't there. But the new ways of working, I mean, it's such an important topic for us. Yeah. I mean, that was Justin and you, Brett, right? Oh, it was Justin and you, Brett. Oh, was it Yes, that's oh, right. Dear, I do remember. Yes. <laughs> I ran away from that one, unfortunately. I had to go eat some lunch because we were so jam-packed and there was such uh, a heavy itinerary really? that we had to like take shifts in how we spoke to everybody. But and also, there, there, we, Justin and I are both passionate about way of working. Exactly. Right? So, it, we're the right people for this kind so, of role. So, so that's Justin Kutz here. That was Justin yep. Kutz here. Yeah. Justin, thanks for being on the show and helping us uh, uh, basically interview yes. some great minds. Because yes. you, you had two people on this. So there were four of you and there were only four mics yeah. in the room there. So, Unkalisi uh, Mujojo and Volta Adeo. Volta. Volta. I keep, sorry, Volta. I keep doing that. Um, we really got into new ways of working yes. and, and really how the businesses have to shift the way that they work to try achieve exponentialism. Fantastic. Let's yeah. listen in. So welcome back. We're still at Singularity University um, in Johannesburg. And even though our minds have been exploded, I do feel like pieces of the brain are being put back together. And uh, Justin, it's you and I in studio at the moment. It looks like Brett's pulled a runner. Yeah, we've got rid of one Brett, Lee. So uh, started with three this morning, down to two, and now eventually only one. Isn't it your lucky hour? Absolutely. <laughs> now I need to find all the Justins that are around here. So well, start building them up. If you were Mike, we definitely had four mics on the table. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... <laughs> Gents, uh, thank you for joining us. So we've got uh, Nkulisi Moja with us today, who's the Chief Executive Officer of uh, Exaro Resources. Fantastic background. Started off as a software engineer, then went into banking and now mining. These are the kind of people we love. That we is an love amazing, Curtis. amazing career. I love change. I absolutely. I can see that. And so uh, I gather that's why you were here talking on the future of work. Yeah. So um, welcome. And then... Uh, a fabulous we, speech, by the way. We were engrossed. Absolutely. I mean, I think... Um, We've taken most of the photos. I think we've got your whole slide deck all in our phones. So thank you. <laughs> Some fantastic thank you slides much. there, absolutely. And then Volta Adeo, thank you for joining us. Volta is the Chief Innovation and um, uh, Chief Digital and Innovation Officer at Deloitte, where they've actually flipped the whole digital uh, uh, sort of uh, transformation uh, journey on its head. I actually was very surprised when I spoke to Volta earlier about how they're driving it. It's something I've, I've had a chat to Brett in his uh, previous life as a digital, head of digital at, uh, at APSA and, and the way that I, I don't believe digital is this thing that should sit on the side and it should actually be totally integrated yeah, in what you're correct, doing. So 100%. I think Deloitte are onto yeah. something there, absolutely. So Jens, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. And maybe if we can kick off with uh, a, a little bit of a chat on the future of work and sort of where do you see that and, and going in, especially, especially in a place like Africa where skills is such a challenge? You know, particularly because skills is such a challenge, that in itself creates the opportunity. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Because okay. if you understand the power of these digital technologies, mm -hmm. they actually become the bridge in terms of how you can bridge that skills gap mm -hmm. by introducing new ways of reskilling and relearning. Mm -hmm. 
But the real big challenge is first how you look at them as something that is positive, something that is necessary, because it's only at that point in time when you actually are not afraid of them that you start seeing their power to actually transform the the individuals and the organizations. And And that's probably one of the biggest challenges because, you know, our education system has always created people who are pretty much very rigid in terms of their outlook and in terms of their sort thinking. Of industrial yeah, exactly. thinking rather than... And therefore, anything that purports to, to bring about some form of real radical transformation, change, they actually tend to fight it Absolutely. and they see it as a threat. So the big trick for, for us is to say, how do you actually help them? How do you actually help your workforce? to see this as being something that is actually useful to them. Yeah, an opportunity. And an opportunity for them to be actually taken away from this laborious work in some instances, but upskilling them to become multi, much more multi-skilled to make the work even more enjoyable and more meaningful. Because yeah. mm, you're not doing the laborious stuff, right? You, you're actually starting to use your mind rather than, uh, say, in the banks, we always talk about the teller doing the stamping. Exactly. Can I be the teller that does the selling? Exactly, exactly. And, and using their mind yes. yeah. and, can, and really can use that information mm. that is created to actually start making decisions yes. that are value-adding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and exactly, as we've heard throughout this, uh, this event, you know, things like AI and robotics and all this technology that's coming on and talking about replacing people's jobs. But the real opportunity is now you move further up the value chain. Correct. And so it's less about the manual repetitive work and more about the sort of intelligent thinking kind of work. And so, um, if I can, if I can direct the question at you, Walter, you know, in the role that you guys play helping organizations with this kind of transformation, how do you engage with customers? How do you get them to start thinking about this fact that the technology is not there to get rid of their workforce, but actually mm. transform their workforce and, and up the value that, they, that that workforce can deliver? I think it's really coming down to future relevance and sustainability. You know, we're on a global level. We have to compete. Um, and, and one of the golden rules of strategy is to try to get as low um, in terms of the operating costs of the business. You know, mm-hmm. So you want to you, you strive to be the lowest cost producer in your industry. Mm-hmm. And if you just think of that practically, the lowest cost producer in an industry is always the organization that takes the least amount of pain when things are going rough. Now, I'm not saying you're mm-hmm. the cheapest, your product's the cheapest, yeah. is that you produce at the lowest point. Mm-hmm. And um, where we are at the moment through leveraging exponential technologies of AI, robotics, IoT, data, etc., is that organizations are, to f- are able to now find the next lowest cost point. Yes. So the first organizations to take uh, advantage of these new exponential technologies do take uh, an advantage uh, on, on their competitors. Mm-hmm. And eventually everyone, to remain relevant, has, will have to adopt these technologies. Yeah. So waiting to start the adoption process is silly. You're losing advantage. Mm. Uh, and perhaps the, the last few organizations to make the move are the ones that become irrelevant yes. uh, in, 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 uh, during the, this transition. It's, it's about relevance and efficiency. It's not about the techie school so mm. adopted. It's mm. about what is the business problem I'm trying to solve and which technology or exponential technology can I leverage to solve that. Yeah. And then that triggers a series of events 
Um, and it's, it's not a single intervention. It's also about thinking of the transformation journey that the organization's got to go on. And, and, and there's a couple of things you need to think about. Are you trying to transform the operations, the products, the services, your engagement with your staff or your customers, the enterprise? What is it that you want to do? And in what sequence do you want to do it? Mm. Uh, what are the skills required? You know, what are the skills you have in the organization? What are the skills you need in the organization? And how do you ready the organization for the change at the right point in time mm. during this digital transformation? Yeah. And it requires a tremendous amount of uh, leadership will in the organization to start this journey. Um, and obviously that commitment to stick to the journey um, to, to, to get the, the end results. And obviously as you go through the journey, there's m- many touch points to figure out, you know, are we getting the results that we need um, and, and should we continue progressing down this path or do we deviate um, and, and try and unlock additional value? Okay. I mean, I totally agree with you that. I, I see it in the organization I'm currently in at the moment, and it is this when is very important because – different people on different cycles of innovation. The concern I see in the marketplace at the moment, and I'd love to get your guys' view on this, is around leadership. I feel like in South Africa we have a very operationally focused leadership in corporate. And that seems to be a deterrent when it comes to taking an organization through this very, very difficult transition period. What are your guys' thoughts around that? You know, I think to a large extent – you know, we are the victims of the markets because the markets are always expecting the next earnings, quarter earnings, you know. And, and therefore, you start driving your business at an operational level rather than at a strategic level yeah. as a leader. Because I believe that the future, the importance of the leader is to say, what foundation am I putting on the ground now? that will ensure that this organization is going to be still around long after I am gone. Yes, yes. Okay. And therefore, if you don't look at life in that way, you will always then be driving your business, your people, in a very narrowly focused way. And you start not even paying attention, not even paying attention on those signals that are there, that are emerging which you don't want to, because you're not focusing on that mm-hmm. and you're not thinking about that, that before you know what happens, they've come to disrupt you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, your business no longer exists. Yeah. And, and, and therefore, for me, a very critical thing, you almost have to be selfless about this thing. Yeah. You've got, you almost have to say, this is not going to be about my time today. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody else will even get the glory for this after you are gone. But... You know, what you have done is that you've created a legacy in a way that that organization is poised to become something great going to the future. And in doing that also, you start also in dealing with your people. The way you deal with your people, the way you want to develop your people, it's not about just for short-termism. You start saying strategically, how do I start developing people so that they can be ready to be able to be, to take advantage of that new future mm. and actually co-create that future. Yes, absolutely. Gentlemen, thanks. We uh, unfortunately have a very limited time here, and uh, we are at the Singularity University event, and the key message is future-proofing Africa. So what is the one key thing you would want to s- sort of say to your customers, to your, your staff, to people out there around future-proofing Africa? Well, from my perspective is be curious. 
Uh, we've got to embrace the fact that we're in a world where, and it's a bit of a cliche, but it is, you know, the, the next constant or the new normal is change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've got to take responsibility as individuals to be curious and constantly learning um, and, and make sure that we take advantage uh, of, of this change. Um, and, and from a business leadership perspective and from a government leadership perspective, it's to uh, ensure that we've got the right leadership will and energy to say we, we need to take our economy forward. If we don't embrace these disruptive technologies and the kind of things that we've heard about in the last two days, our economy falls back, regresses into the Stone Age. It's yeah. not even a case of weakening. It's We literally become uncompetitive very, very quickly. The, the positive side of it is that what we're seeing at the moment is this big red reset button yeah. that if we hit it and we decide – that we are going to put a lot of energy and investment into innovation, into uh, exponential technologies. I mean, we get an opportunity to leapfrog so many gaps, be it infrastructural, be it skills, be it whatever the case might be at the moment. We're able to jump those gaps and compete globally. Now, what we do have is an incredibly sophisticated and, and driven and strong business sector and I think this keeps us in the game and probably gives us the opportunity to get some advantage but as we do that we've got to make sure that we take everyone with us we need to drive economic prosperity we need to see what we can do about unemployment through leveraging technology to drive the creation of micro enterprises like we've seen with some of these technology platforms Um, so it's a combination of things that we have to do to to make this all work out but it starts with deciding that as part of our economic strategy for the country, we're going to drive investment uh, into innovation and technology. Gentlemen, I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. So from the Singularity University Summit in Johannesburg, thank you very much for your contribution, your speeches, your panel sessions, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. Thanks, guys. Great. Well, the best way to respond to the customer's ever-changing needs in this world of disruptive technology and exponential growth is to change the way you work. Find new ways of working. WTF that, man. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's what we're about as well. We we started some consulting on the the back of the show where we're actually not just talking, we're doing, and we're getting into companies and and helping C-level, mid-level management to understand how to find the new ways of working. So – Go check out wtfnow.co.za. Absolutely. Shameless pun from us. But I mean, Shameless if, you, if you're hearing all of this stuff and it's ringing true yeah. to some of the thinking and thoughts that you'd like to implement in your business, we're here. You don't need to go across the other Absolutely. side of the world. We, we buy into this thinking. We love the singularity, guys. And it's really important that we passionately pursue these opportunities that exist for the future. Agreed. And, guys, while we're here, please download our podcast. Uh, it's on iTunes. Give us five stars. Share. Subscribe. Do all those kind of bits. Yes. And our Twitter handle is at Futurology Show. But it's not goodbye because we it's have one more. We've mm. got the – well, arguably, I would say this is the best for last. Uh, okay. Mr. Mr. Larry Keeley. Um, of Dublin, uh, the innovation division or the innovation company of Deloitte. Yes. And his speech was phenomenal, oh, by the way. It was amazing. His the 10 types oh. of innovation. And he's got a book out, which is great. I've just bought his book. Did you buy way. it? Yep. Have you read I, it? I, I, no. I have bought it. <laughs> I haven't read it yet. I plan to read I've, it. I've gone through his 10 steps and uh, blew me away. Blew the one thing away. I loved about this interview is that we kind of approached it like every other interview. And I got schooled immediately. <laughs> 
And it was uh. it was so nice to be to learn by failing. And I think that's oh, he's very good. He's very good. Brilliant. But he's he's the best in the game at innovation, right? Oh, for sure. And it was a great engaging conversation that we had with Mr. Larry Keeley, and I think you're all going to enjoy it. So here it is. I tell you what, um, I cannot say it once more because the brain has now exploded. No putting back together. Uh, Are you done? <laughs> this, uh, the Singularity University Summit has uh, broken me permanently. Oh, good. Well, hopefully we can build new neural networks and stuff within your brain, as uh, Divya Chandra was telling us about. I, well, I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, Justin's <laughs> looking at me going, Brett, I've got a new way of working that'll help you with that. Jeez, I wish. I'm also sitting here, not sure how to, how to put myself back together. I'm hoping a nice long bath this evening, <laughs> some mindful meditation tomorrow, and hopefully I'll be back. There's nothing mindful meditation when I'm picturing you in a bath. <laughs> <laughs> and we are still at the Singularity University Summit in Johannesburg, and we have yet another guest who's just uh, graced his presence on the, the main stage and uh, dropped a ton of knowledge bombs on everything. And uh, uh, Justin, I think you're going to geek out just a little bit. You have the geek out. You can... So so Justin was, Justin was buying our next guest's book just before meeting Mr. Larry Keeley. And uh, you were talking about the 10 types of innovation. So we love the fact that you've joined us on the show. Thank you for your time. My great pleasure. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, in full disclosure and disclaimers, thanks for the shit before we actually get to it and all the crap that we talk. <laughs> but we are really going to geek out around a lot of the things that you talk about because we live and breathe this every day and we try to share it with as many people as we meet. Well, gentlemen, it's my pleasure. I actually really believe in radio as a medium, and I'm fairly obsessed about it and uh, was I'm proud to say that I helped to create This American Life, um, oh, wow. one of the leading oh, podcasts in the world, yeah. almost 45 weeks of the year. And um, and so I believe in radio, and I'm proud to be uh, appearing together with you. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you. Wow. We just geeked up. For yeah, that. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're just going to let you talk. You, you've got amazing things around innovation and you've broken it down to some great steps that people can use. What are some of those steps and how do you find the transformation happening today in business for the future? Well, that's a nice, big, juicy question. Yeah. What if we start a different place, Brett? Mm. Um, let's start by understanding that almost everybody's in favor of innovation in yeah. theory, but in practice they find it really confounding and really hard and they usually fail at it. And so mm. One of the first things to do is to say, why do we fail so often at it? And what are we missing? And that is the heart of what I've been trying to do now for 35 years as an innovation scientist. I thought it would be easier than it turned out to be. And it is a yeah. testimony to my fairly calamitous lack of imagination that I've just been working on one problem <laughs> for 35 years. Um, but the point, I think, is to try to discover what on earth is getting in our way as human beings. We really do want to do better. We really do mm -hmm. want to make things that change the world in the main, but we usually screw it up. So a critically important question before we get on to yeah, all yeah. the juicy stuff about how <laughs> we want to change the world is why do we screw up so often and and what are we missing? Yeah. And uh, so maybe we can start there? Yeah, you, cool. You, Would you like me to ask you that question? No. But <laughs> Larry, gonna, why do we fail so often? I, and I failed straight out the gates on that question. Yeah, and, and in my case, uh, I was right there with you, man. I can, I can catalog the, the, the scores of screw-ups I've done through the the years and the places I started and the theories that I had. And 
So using the methods of science, it's really great to try to figure out how you root out the lore and substitute logic, and that really is the heart of it. Uh, so for instance, just to begin to catalog uh, the crimes against humanity that occur when we try to innovate, most people start in the wrong place. They think they're going to produce a product that changes the world. Mm, yes. They even have lots of handy cliches yeah. they trot out. You know, if you build a better mouse trap, the world will be the path <laughs> yeah. to your door, right? You remember that one? Yeah. Have you ever done a Google search for things that you can do to mice? I mean, you can, you can, you can just snap their little necks. You can glue their feet to the floor. You can try to scare them off with noises. There's all and kinds. The ethical council of rats is standing up in arms. <laughs> I and I and I don't blame them. And more to the point, none of those things actually works, and none of those people got rich. So let's start there. People think they're going to get rich with something simple, a product, and it's never true. So problem number one is we start in the wrong place. Problem number two is we do it in the wrong ways. We think we're supposed to be creative. We think we're supposed to generate many ideas. We even hear the rules of brainstorming. There's no such thing as a bad idea. <laughs> same same, same yeah. thing, brainstorming. Right. Brainstorming, brainstorming. I mean, it's a carcinogen. The Surgeon General should get around to regulating. I mean, the number of stupid things that people do thinking it's innovative is legion. And so the critical thing is to start by saying, when in the course of human events has anybody ever tried to solve this class of problem before and which mm-hmm. one screwed it up and which few of them actually succeeded? How about we learn from those guys, yes. the ones yeah. that did it? Right? Google it first. That's not something new even today. I mean, Thomas Edison has that famous quote, if I didn't find the one way to make a light bulb, I found 10,000 ways not to make the light bulb. Yes, mm. and and... And Thomas Edison is a pretty good example of somebody who was obsessive-compulsive. You may not know this, but he only slept 20 minutes at a time. He would constantly have Mm. his staff around him and wake them up all times of the day and night and give them assignments. But still, Thomas Edison focused on products in an era when you kind of could. In a connected world, Brett, the critical thing is to try to figure out what it means to solve a gnarlier problem, something something just a bit harder, and to not be afraid of that. And that's one of the critical things. Mm. But the other thing that I think usually escapes people is just the mountains of dysfunctional beliefs that they can read about, about how to enhance their creativity. Creativity is never the scarce resource in innovation. Mm. Discipline is. Wow. You, uh, <laughs> hey? Wow. Absolutely. That Thank, thanks for that. that the whole time. Yeah. Could you say that again? Uh, the key thing that's missing with most teams is discipline, not ideas. Oh, if you beautiful. give me a team of people from the very best art school in Johannesburg and an equal number of the very best uh, special forces marines available locally. I will out-innovate the art school kids every day of the week and six times on Sunday. And the reason for that is the art school kids think they get to sleep in on Sundays. And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so learning to flip that around and seeing that really the cruelest thing we do to smart people is to stick them in a room and say, okay, innovate now. Come up with ideas. Right. Yeah. I mean, would we do that? So could you imagine doing that to a brain surgeon? Well, here's a brain. You know, we can turn these lights up brighter in here. Maybe get you an exacto knife. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, but I hear infections a problem. So we'll get you some isopropyl rubbing alcohol. Anything else you might need? Yeah. Some band aids, maybe. Um, and you know, the critical thing is to just 
start to realize that it may be harder than that and that it deserves more respect. Mm-hmm. True. Well, I think this, the, I mean, the we, silence is exactly what was needed at that point. corporates, <laughs> and I think, and I see it when they appoint chief innovation officers, that it's, I think it? it's when they appoint chief innovation officers because it is to that exact point. You're locking a person in a room with a title mm. and then going, well, go ahead, do whatever you want to do. Remove all the discipline. You can just be creative. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. And they do it time and time and time again, no matter what advice you give them. Talent, talent over title should win every time, surely. Yeah. It would be ideal if it did. It rarely does, as you know, in the real world that we're all part of. Uh, to your point about chief innovation officers, I think that that is emblematic of a wide array of things that collectively I refer to as innovation theater, right? Yeah. So, um, so very often scared senior executives who have some – maybe non-articulated recognition that the marketplace is moving faster than their enterprise, they start to say, well, what should I do? And they hear that others have hired a chief innovation officer. In extreme cases, they say, what I need to do is I need to build a lab, and it needs to be in Silicon Valley. So you go to these places, and they've, they've just spent millions on stuff that is dysfunctional, in the extreme, but it's tourable, so uh, they can bring, you know, analysts. Yes, me too. And every time I I get an extreme migraine just watching the millions that have spent on stupid stuff, right? But it's the kind of salve you run on, you rub on, you know, analysts and maybe senior executives Mm -hmm. so that they're not so afraid of uh, future coming at a breakneck pace. And Great leaders, and let's all admit that they're rare, um, great leaders do it differently. They ask the question, what's the smallest number of things I should be doing to change my rate of change, and what can I be doing to staple my scarce resources to more valuable problems so Mm. that I can Mm. actually concentrate my firepower? The ones that end up with, you know, Hundreds of fronts that they're trying to make progress against are, in effect, behaving like squirrels chasing after shiny bits in the park. And they, and they get really bad outcomes after spending millions and millions of dollars. And then what happens is even worse. What happens is the organization collectively says, well, we tried that innovation thing and we failed at it. We're no good at it around here. And then they define it as a cultural problem. And so they end up with another decade of stupidities that get amplified. So I can't, you know, I like the candor in our conversation. I want to tell you that Really, the heart of it is people want to have some show around innovation. They haven't asked the question, when do we innovate? When have we ever innovated in our history? Another very surprising thing that I often do for leaders when I first show up is I ask them, are you, are you innovative? And you know, maybe it's because they've called me in and they think they want 
innovation help, the standard answer that I get nearly always is no, we're nowhere near as innovative as we should be. So the first thing I do is I deconstruct their history. And, and I show them... Sometimes, surely, right? Well, no, no enterprise survives for more than a decade no. without innovating these days. And when you deconstruct the most important innovations in their history, what I'm able to show literally 100% of the time is that somehow or other, usually by accident, they did some extremely sophisticated innovations. And it was some combination of a customer asked for it, and they put some junior person in charge who didn't know what they were trying to do was impossible. Oh. And they had an engineering wizard who solved some yeah. you know, gnarly bit. And then it became the biggest centerpiece of their business. And what I like to do is to say, you only exist today because there were critical moments in your history when you did things that were sophisticated. You just didn't do them on purpose. You didn't do them consciously. You didn't do them in a way that was instrumented and facilitated. And so you ended up with an accidental piece of success. What say we do that on purpose? Mm. What say we do that with malice aforethought? What say we decide what hill to take, what, what objective to nail? Yeah. Deliberately have accidents. Yeah, I mean, I've heard I've heard comments that come back to us in, in discussions with leaders, and I'm using the parentheses, but that innovation is is built from a or grown from a bed of lack. Uh, it's this this idea that because we have nothing, we have to innovate, and necessity. we're forced to innovate. And yeah, necessity is the mother of invention, and all that type of idea. But they've heard all of these quips, and they bring them out at the right time. Like they've got three or three arrows in their quiver, and they're going to say, "Well, I'm going to use these," but what happens when that conversation stops? Mm-hmm. Because you're talking to the leaders of a big business in most cases, and they're trying their best to say that they're trying their best. But what happens when they're actually put to the task? And we're trying to get them to get to the task. We okay. Talk, we can do. So that's a rich compost of threads in your question. Let me see if oh, I, I can. I never ask questions. I, I, my title is a digital, digital philosopher. I, I just, see. I just, I'm here. Yeah, confounder in chief. Yeah. I, I like yes. it. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but let me, let me see if I can't tease apart some of the dimensions of your, of your observations and, and comment, okay? Please. So you're right that the world is overfilled with a bunch of, ridiculous chestnuts, you know, quotes we can trot out that are, you know, profound-seeming, in, and people like to trot them out at the moment when they feel apt, right? But it might amuse you to know that we've collected up at my little firm, Doblin, the 1,200 reasonable-sounding reasons why I can't innovate today. Thank you very much. And then we've codified them, and we've tried to determine which ones are a little bit true and which ones are not true at all and which ones are are true, but you can overcome them with the right tradecraft. And I think that that is very helpful to getting people past those uh, you know, sort of practices of innovating by bumper sticker. And, um, and, and what I think matters in doing that is to give people a chance to break down the, the protocols, mm. the actual steps you should take to do the hard things that matter. Uh, separately, one of the things that you made a point about is the, you know, sort of role of leaders. And the role of leaders is, one of the biggest issues and problems in innovation. And um, a great leader will ask profound and 
deep questions that they do not know the answer to. A lousy leader, and we, we have many of them, will be very polished and extremely persuasive and will speak in full bullet points yeah. that add up to spectacular PowerPoint slides, as we all know. Um, but that rarely causes an organization to go through profound change. It might be the beginnings mm-hmm. of a narrative storytelling that will inspire people to change, and I really believe mm-hmm. in narrative storytelling. It's one of the reasons I love mm-hmm. radio. Yeah. Um, but I actually believe that what a great leader needs to do is to identify shifts in the world that are never going to snap back to what we think of as normal. And with their humility intact, admit to the organization that there's a big thing going on here. I don't know the answer to it. I know we're really going to be toast if we don't deal with it. Can you help me Mm. to figure out ways we can deal with it? A great leader trusts the talent and starts to identify, name, and claim big shifts that are going to change the firm, the field, the industry, the category, maybe the world. That is brilliant. Phenomenal. So you spoke earlier about the the scientific sort of method or scientific thinking behind some of the stuff. So when you look at great leaders and are now trying to identify this, these opportunities that you talk about, um, how do they apply or, or how do you recommend they apply a sort of scientific approach um, to taking advantage or, or even being able to lead in a space like that? Well, buy your book. No, no, I never make a sales pitch for the book. Um, people don't read books anymore. They're too busy yeah, updating. <laughs> well, thank you, Justin. Enough. Thank you. I, most people are too busy updating their Twitter feed and showing the latest picture of whatever goofy thing their cat has done. This no, is what this is what the food was before. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I know. I know. It's I'm like useless at that. And uh, in, in the in the. Era Bill Clinton in the States, we spent a trillion dollars on telecommunications transformation and another trillion dollars on computing infrastructure transformation. Also, people could show pictures of what their cat is doing. I, 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 Don't worry, I I'm the one of those. I'm, I'm hopeful yeah. that we'll get to a, a better use for this stuff eventually, okay? But to your question, I don't really believe in trying to teach leaders to be scientists if they aren't already scientists. Mm -hmm. I do believe that all good leaders should bring empathy about how the world is changing, intense curiosity, um, and a tremendous ability to condense or to focus the things that they're learning about into puzzles that they ask the organization to solve. And then the scientists can play a role in solving those puzzles. Mm -hmm. It's, of course, way better if the leader has some sense of discipline personally and is genuinely interested in facts and is genuinely able to embrace evidence that something is different than they thought. Okay. That's Awesome thought. And you made a, a comment during the panel discussion after your speech about uh, how the current state of the U.S. is allowing opportunities for other countries in the world to maybe progress into the future. I'm going to ask you to say that again. <laughs> well, let me amplify those yeah, earlier yes. remarks. What I am disheartened by is that the current um, 
you know, leadership in the United States for the first time is acting as if we should be afraid of the future. There was a whiff of that um, two presidents ago when George W. Bush got the United States to effectively have one growth industry around paranoia and um, started a couple of random wars that, you know, looking at it as an innovation guy, and uh, honestly, I've analyzed this for for different groups. I won't detail all of that, but what we got for our $3.4 trillion investment in wars was, as far as I can tell, more sophisticated, better funded, and more committed terrorists. So there's that. Um, But what we now have is a president who's just random and narcissistic. And here's what that means for the rest of the world. I mean, really, there's a... There's a body of theory that says the whole world should get to vote on the U.S. president since we have so much (laughs) effect. Um, It's hard to square that with the U.S. Constitution. But here's where I come out. Anybody who's going to lead the United States needs to have a profound sense of what are the future trillion-dollar industries that we have to create businesses for. If I were given a chance to talk to Donald Trump, I, I would say one thing to him. I would say, dude, you used to love billion-dollar deals. Now you got to love trillion-dollar yeah. deals, and you haven't evidenced any of that mm-hmm. curiosity, mm-hmm. any of that skill, any of that inspiring form of leadership. In the absence of that happening with this president for at least four years, maybe Um, What the rest of the world needs to do is to innovate into the vacuum, to understand that the U.S. is not taking leadership on the industries of the future future and the the transformations of the future. That's an opening. Uh, I'm... I find it tragic that we have left that opening, but as a good strategist and somebody that's just incredibly generous about trying to help all human beings advance um, the quality of their own lives, I would urge every leader everywhere in the world to say, this is your chance. This is your chance to innovate into big, badass forms of of deep needs that are manifesting the worldwide and uh, and you have a chance now an opening to um, sort of seize the momentum brilliant awesome. um, we would love to talk to you for <coughs> yes. days I think yeah. and uh, we thank you so much for the time that you spent with us we are here at the Singularity University Summit in Johannesburg South Africa with the hashtag futureproof Africa what is your future view on the growth coming out of Africa? Well, I think uh, one of my favorite innovation plays in my fairly rich innovation playbook is flipping adversity to advantage. Again, another thing nobody ever tells people is that the root of nearly all great innovations is somebody that's really scared, really pissed off, really wants to make life better for their family, really sees something that makes no sense, and wants to do something about it. Um, there's bad ways to be pissed off. That's when you become a disaffected terrorist. There's great ways to be pissed off, and that's when you say it makes no sense. 
that my children, well-educated, hardworking, and talented, don't have opportunities. What am I going to do about that? And I believe that flipping adversity to advantage is the general pattern of all the greatest breakthroughs in modern history. And there are plenty of very serious challenges in the continent of Africa that should be, by rights, rich opportunities to transform the way we do healthcare, the way we do um, energy, the way we do transportation, housing, all the big, juicy problems of our time. Mm. And uh, frankly, uh, if I were younger, I would love to move here and start those kinds of businesses. I think that this is one of the places where the future will show up somewhat ahead of its regularly scheduled arrival. That is awesome. Larry awesome. Keedy, president and co-founder of the Dublin Incorporated agency? Is it an agency? No, it's a unit. It's the innovation unit of Deloitte these days. So so our job is to help clients, large and small, figure out what kind of transformations they should be trying to foster. Fantastic. We are all great fans of you, and we thank you so much for your time. Uh, We look forward to having you for sure back on the Futurology Show right here on Cliff Central. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow. That's See, exactly Mike, what I thought. You missed something there. I did. I really I'm, did. I felt for you because uh, the, the man is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, it unfor- was too cool. Yeah, unfortunately, I missed that session. Uh, it was, it was but, a great uh, Again, they've got a, a great re- uh, repository of some highlights from Singularity on the website. Yes. So Singularity Summit, Singularity U Summit, South Africa Summit website. Yep, yep. .org. Do you want to just say that again? Let me say that again yeah. for all you people who were actually trying to pay attention. Singularity U South Africa Summit .org. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Long um, URLs and ad handles. I can rock this breast. So don't you love the way Singularity kind of pulls all the mm. content together, right? Yes. They start talking about all the big ideas and problems that they need to solve. Yeah. And they don't just leave you hanging, yeah. you know, a whole tantalized. Have I got that right? No, that's tantalized? Not tantalized? Tantalized. Not tanta. Tantalized. Tentacalized. <laughs> Tentacalized. <laughs> You're right. So, Brett. But so and 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 then they really kind of narrow down on how you actually do it. Yeah, they don't yeah. just kind of assume you got to go figure this out for yourself. Yeah, they get the experts in who tell it's, you how to do it. Guys, amazing. Uh, the, the, Absolutely. The, Boom. The sentence of Singularity Summit is: Singularity University empowers a global community with a mindset, skill set, and network to create an abundant future. And that's wild. The fact that they're not just sharing these things for the sake of sharing them. They're actually empowering people with this knowledge to say, now do something. And I think, guys, on that note, it's hashtag future-proof Africa, right? Future-proof Africa, absolutely. Future-proof Africa. Until the next episode, ladies and gentlemen. Which will be next week. Which will be next week. Right here in Clifton. Can't wait. And we've got two more left. We're really excited to join you guys. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is CliffCentral.com.